Good morning, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. It's so good to see you here today. Where's David at? You didn't think we'd make it here. Technically, we're still a little bit off. We're actually two days early, so I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, can you rent a movie theater on a Tuesday? And then do we do it next Sunday, which is a Super Bowl? And then it just gets confusing, you know. If the Cowboys, it may have been real confusing. But um, anyways, I'm so glad that you are here today. It's been it's been an adventure, right? And I love that video that Joel put together because um, it really showed kind of from the beginning to where we are now. Like those, the videos of us at people's houses and stuff like that, those were early what we called launch team parties. So those were literally just parties that we threw and then talked to people about starting a church. It was kind of a trick. It was like, hey, you want to come to this party? Want to join a church? Right? It was kind of a trick, right? But, uh, you know, like some of you may have thought that you were going to see a movie today. Gotcha. <laughs> Anyways. I mean, you still can. There'll be one afterwards playing, I'm sure. But anyways, I'm so glad that we're here. It's been an incredible year. It's been an incredible journey. And one, th- one thing, this really isn't in my notes, but did you notice in, that, in the video, did you see kind of the slab that we were handing the pizza to? Did y'all notice that? There was a person living under that. How crazy is that? So it was, that really had nothing to do with anything, but it was interesting. All right, so it's been an awesome first year, and our goal when we set out, Um, to launch the River Church, to start the River Church, was that we would be a church that leads people into what we called a soul-healing and life-transforming relationship with Jesus. And it's been a really incredible year of that, I think. I think if nothing else, if, if nobody else's life has been changed, mine has, man. God has challenged me, and he's shaped me, and he's changed me, and he's, he's really... Done some things in myself that I was kind of surprised by. Like, does God ever, you ever had God do things in your life and you're like, wow, God, that was amazing. I didn't even expect that you could do that in me. And so it's been an incredible adventure of seeing God work and move and really just build a family, right? Build a family of people together, um, healing, transforming, not just growing us as a family together, but healing family, healing lives, healing people. And so it's just, as I was reflecting this week, I kept thinking the word that kept coming to my mind is one I use a lot, adventure. Man, it's been an adventure, and I don't think that the adventure is over, right? We've, we've seen an incredible year where we've walked through some really fun things, some really good things. Like I said, we're a church that started on parties, right? Um, but we've walked through some tough times together too, right? We've seen, as a family, we've seen job loss. We've um, seen sickness attack. We've seen myself, I preached the funeral this year of one of my best friends growing up. And so it's been a hard year in those ways. But we've also seen God heal. We've also seen God transform. We've also seen God bring jobs. We've also seen him beat sickness. We survived the baby apocalypse this year. And for those of you that might be first time guests here, the baby apocalypse was like half the people in the church had babies this year. So like you're just walking out, there's a new baby. You're like, where did you come from, right? And so we, we survived, though. We made it. We made it, right? That was probably the biggest accomplishment this year was defeating the baby apocalypse. Um, they were just crying everywhere, and then the babies were crying too. Can I get that? But anyways, it's been crazy, man. And so as I reflect on this year, I've reflected, I think, the two words were adventure that came to my mind, but then secondly, it was just faithfulness. Like, God has been so faithful to some people that he just put a dream in to start this church, you know? And so he's been so faithful, like, faithful to the point of, like, 
before we even started the church, he was faithful in the fact that we didn't even know where we were going to be. So like a little bit of background is, as we were trying to find a place to start, we were planning on having our first service in January of last year, um, which makes sense that we're doing our one year in January of this year, right? So we're doing our, our one year, or we're starting in January of last year, but we had nowhere to be. We didn't know where we were going to actually ha- have the church services in. Like so much so that I was calling places and everyone was telling me no. Like I made a list. We got turned down by 30 schools. That's a lot of schools five movie theaters, two community centers, and a Blockbuster. Like, man, there's no, been nobody on Blockbuster since 2001, and they're telling us we can't meet in the Blockbuster. But anyways, so I remember just walking through that and being like, where? And, and you know, as a pastor, you, you know, you think my first response would be, like, going to praying, but that was, like, my last response, I hate to say. Um, and so kind of at the end, I was, like, at the end of my rope, and I'm going, God, I don't know what to do. Like, we're supposed to launch in two months, and we have nowhere to be. Like, we have to get in there so we can start setting up equipment. Like, there's so much that go, has to fall into place before we can even get there. And so what did I do? I said, well, this week, I'm going to take a week. I'm going to fast my lunches, which was a big challenge for me because I'm a skinny guy. And I'll, if I don't eat, I, I always fall over somewhere. And you're like, there's Mike. He missed lunch again, right? <laughs> but anyways, um, so, so I was like, I'm going I'm to take this week, and I'm going to fast during, during my lunches. I'm going to pray and just ask God. And if you're not familiar with fasting, it's just a time of where you abstain from eating, and you just really seek God, and you pray, and kind of ask him to answer a certain prayer. Or, or if you need direction, you're asking for direction, you're just basically saying, God, I'm really serious about this. You know, I need your help. And so I took that week, and I was fasting, and about halfway through the week, um, I felt like God was telling me to, to call or email this movie theater. Now, the background on all that is they'd already told me no three times. And, like, the first time, they were really nice, and the third time, they were like, stop contacting us, right? And so I was like, all right, God, I'm going to just do it. And the worst thing is they just won't talk to me again, and I don't really care. You know, it's not a problem. So I called them, emailed them, and the lady that I emailed, the one who had told me no three times, said, actually, Mike, what's crazy is this week it just opened up, just this week. And if you want it, man, it's yours. Man, you talk about an answer to prayer, right? They told me no three times. So what is the point of that? Just to point to God's faithfulness, man. God's goodness, he's been so faithful to us this year. And I think on top of that, another one of the things that is constantly amazing me is how God brings awesome people to this place. Like we keep... Like, it just keeps happening. Like, when we moved here, I remember thinking, how, how do you just meet people? Like, how are we going to do this? And God just kept introducing us to amazing people who really didn't really plan on being a part of it. Like, I joke about you showing up and being like, you thought you were coming to a movie. But there would be people that we met, and they're like, yeah, we're just here to hang out. This is kind of fun. And then at the end of the day, they end up being, like, integral parts of, like, founding members of the church, you know? And it's like, got them, right? And so... It was just amazing. And, but the most amazing thing about that is he wasn't just bringing people, but it was people who caught the vision and caught the dream, who understood that we, the goal is to um, be a part of, do something that's not about us, but it's something bigger than us, and it's something that's about Jesus, and it's about impacting lives, and it's about changing lives, hopefully, for eternity. That God would, not that we wouldn't be doing it, but that God would do something through us to impact the lives of people in our community. And so it's been so good to see God's faithfulness in that. And so that's why we say the best is yet to come, because we believe that the best is yet to come. We don't mean like big budgets or huge buildings or stuff like that, but we, when I say that, I mean the best is yet to come is God impacting lives, God changing lives, God healing lives, God healing families, God healing sickness, God moving. 
And that's what we want to see. And so I'm going to kind of cheat this morning, and I'm actually going to preach on John chapter 7, which is the same text that I preached a year ago when we launched. Because that text is the heart of who we are as a church. And so I thought it would be fitting to go back one year and refresh on our heart, refresh on who we are to not remind us because we haven't lost it, but to almost set the stage for as we move forward, as we anticipate God moving and doing incredible things, not just in our church, but in all the churches in Dallas-Fort Worth and all around the world, but who we want to be, and not just who we want to be, but why we want to do it. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to jump in. John chapter, seven, or John chapter 7, verse 37. It says this, On the last and the most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. So what do we learn from that? On the last and most important day of the festival, there's the last day of a festival. It's an important festival. Jesus stands up and he says this, If anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. It's kind of a strange thing to say, don't you think? Like, just in general, if I walked up to you and said that, you'd be like, that Mike guy is kind of strange. He's kind of weird, right? But Jesus, he says this thing, and what's interesting about it is when you understand the context of what he's saying it and why he's saying it, it makes total sense. And not only does it make total sense, but it's absolutely beautiful, and it's absolutely perfect for the context. So I want to kind of step back. What's going on here is this, this, it tells us that he's at this important festival. And what this festival was was a festival called Feast of Tabernacles. And it was one of three festivals that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, would attend every year. The first one was Passover, then there was Pentecost, and then there was this one called Feast of the Tabernacles. And this festival was one that they would observe for seven days. So they would come together, all the Hebrews would come together for seven days, and they would, do, uh, they would, they would have this huge feast where they would sacrifice uh, lambs and uh, different kind of animals, and they would have these huge meals, and they would just praise and worship God um, during this festival. And on the last day of the festival, they would have this huge ceremony. There was like this big climax, like it all built up to the last day, this huge, big celebration. Right? And kind of one of the points, one of the focuses of this feast was that they were asking God to replenish their land. They were in this uh, kind of drought season. The, the feast took place in this drought season. So there was no strong rain since spring. The cisterns were low. The springs were low. The ground was barren and parched. The hills were parched. They needed their land to be renewed. They needed essentially water. <laughs> And so they, they spend this time, part of this festival was them asking and praying and begging God to replenish their land, that God would heal their land, bring healing waters back on their land so that they could farm it for the next year. But on top of that, it wasn't just a cry or a plea for healing waters for their land, but it was a cry and a plea for a pouring out of God's spirit on their community, on their people. And so they've got this festival going on where they're asking God, they're begging God to heal their land, replenish their land with water. And it's at this festival that Jesus shows up. And what's interesting is Jesus shows up about halfway through the festival. And, and before he even gets there, there's people looking for him. 
Because at this point, Jesus kind of become like this minor celebrity. Like he's walking around and he's healing people and he's talking about the Bible in ways that they've never heard. And so if there's a guy that's walking around like walking up to a blind guy and going, now you can see and he can, that's going to kind of be a big deal, don't you think? Like if, if that happened here in the United States, that would kind of like be a kind of a big deal, right? I mean, most of us probably wouldn't believe it because there's... Well, anyways, but it would be amazing, right? So Jesus has kind of become this local celebrity. So before he even shows up, people are looking for him, people are anticipating him, and people are trying to figure him out. They're trying to understand who the heck is this Jesus guy? Who is he? He's like healing people and stuff. What's going on with this guy? So Jesus kind of shows up um, halfway through the festival in John chapter 7, verse 12, which was, this happens earlier than the, the verse that I read to you guys to start off. So earlier in the chapter is when this is taking place. He shows up, and John 7, 12 says this, and there's a lot of discussion about him among the crowds. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were, others were saying, no, no, on the contrary, he's deceiving people. So before he shows up, there's this conversation about him where people are trying to figure out, who is this guy? And I think what's interesting about that is that that hasn't really changed a whole lot to today, right? Like, to this day, people are still trying to figure out, who is this Jesus? Is he crazy? Was he a good teacher? Is he who he says he was, which is God? Who is this Jesus? And so even to this day, people are asking that question, and it wasn't different then. They're trying to figure out, who is this Jesus guy? Some people want to know. Some people are genuinely confused. And then John 7, 14 says this, when the festival was already half over, Jesus went up to the temple. So he shows up. They're looking for him, talking about him. He shows up, and he began to teach. And then the Jews were amazed and said, how does he know the scriptures since he hasn't been trained? So they're looking for him, they're anticipating him, they're wondering, who exactly is this guy? And he shows up and he goes to the temple and he begins to teach, and the people are amazed at what they hear from him. They're saying he, he hasn't been trained. How does he have this knowledge? Because you have to understand, like, Jewish rabbis or Jewish preachers had been in training for years and years and years to gain the kind of knowledge that they had about the scriptures. So there's this Jesus guy that just shows up who was a carpenter, a carpenter's son, and he's teaching about the Bible. He's talking about the Bible in ways they've never heard before, and it's blowing their mind. Like, he's talking about the Bible like he knows the God of the Bible. It's amazing to them. It's, it's shocking to them. And so they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so they end up having this conversation with him where they ask him these questions, and, and I'm not going to go through it verse by verse, um, we will later on. We're actually about to start a series on John next week, so shameless plug. But uh, we're going to start a series on John next week, and we'll get more in-depth of it. But essentially what happens is they ask him three questions, and here's, here's what they ask him. Where did you go to school? Like, where in the world did you get this knowledge that you have? And Jesus answers, heaven. Kind of a strange answer. They ask him, where are you from? And he answers, heaven. And then they ask him, where are you going? Can you guess what his answer was? Heaven. And this is perplexing to them. Like, it confounds them even more, but what they don't understand is that Jesus is dropping hints to them about who he is. He's trying to help them see who he is. Where do you have this knowledge from? Heaven. What? Because he's from heaven, because he's God. Where are you from? Heaven, because I'm God. Where are you going? Back to heaven, because I'm God. 
And he's trying to drop hints to them so that they can understand, so they can grasp, so they can see who he is. Even in that moment, they're confused, but he's trying to help them along the way, kind of gently guide them to where he, to, to understanding of who he is. I mean, maybe that's you here today, right? Like maybe you're looking, trying to understand who this Jesus is, who is this Jesus of the Bible that I keep hearing about, trying to understand him, trying to put him in a box, trying to figure him out. And, and let me say, if that's you, maybe he's been dropping you hints along the way as well. Like maybe he's been bringing people in your life to show you. Maybe he's been trying to just, just try to introduce himself to you lightly, right? To say, I'm Jesus, I'm God, I'm the healer, I'm the savior, I'm, I'm Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Prince of Peace. And so here he is, he's dropping hints, he's trying to help them see who he is, and you know how they respond? They accuse him of having a demon, and they try to kill him. <laughs> Not the right answer, right, guys? Not the right answer. So they're trying to figure him out, they try to kill him, doesn't work out yet. And then the scene shifts, a couple days pass, and the next thing we see in the scriptures is this the text I read from the morning. So all of that kind of happened, all of that kind of progressed, and then it comes to this. On the final and the most important day of the festival, Jesus stands up and he says, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. So he's been dropping hints, right, this whole time, trying to help him see who Jesus is. And on the last day of the festival, the most important day of the festival, he stands up and he says, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me. That's interesting, right? Like, like, why does he say that? I know you're like, we've been waiting for you to tell us, right? So when I was studying this a couple years ago, there was a really, I learned about this festival and it was really cool, right? So what would happen at this festival is every day at the Feast of the Tabernacles, remember it's a seven-day um, festival, it's a seven-day feast, and every single day they would have this ceremony that they would perform. And at this ceremony, what they would do is they would, um, it was a water ceremony, so they would have this kind of processional of people and the priests would go from the city and they would go down the south border of the city to the spring. And when they would get to the spring, the priest would take this golden pitcher and he would dip it into the spring and he would say, he would say Isaiah 12, 3, which is, with joy you draw from the wells of salvation. And so if you can imagine the priest and the procession, all the crowd, all the people around, and they would dip and they say, with joy you draw from the wells of salvation. And then they would head back up the hill, back up to literally what translates as the water gate. They would go into the water gate. And there would be um, an altar, and the priest would pour out the water on the altar. And this whole time as they're doing that, the crowd would be singing um, psalms. Like one example is Psalm uh, 118, which it says, Give thanks to the Lord, or, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let Israel say, His faithful love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His faithful love endures forever. Y'all catching the theme? <laughs> Let those who fear the Lord say, His faithful love endures forever. I called to the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me. And so this whole time as this ceremony is going on, the, they, the crowd would be singing these psalms as they get up to the top of the hill and they pour the water out on the altar. And they would do this every single day. Every day. But then on the seventh day, they did it seven times. Seven times. 
Now, Judaism, they saw this ceremony on a couple of levels. One was a very physical level. Like I told you earlier, this is, this is a feast where their, their land had been parched, their land had been dry, they're in a drought season, and so they're asking God that he would heal their land, that he would pour out healing waters on their land, that he would restore their land. But it wasn't just a cry or a plea for physical healing for their land. It was a cry and it was a plea for spiritual healing on their land. They were dry, they were thirsty, they were broken. They needed God to pour out his spirit on their land, to replenish their land, to heal them as a people, to heal them as a community. And so if you can just imagine this ceremony, they do it every single day, and then on the last day, the seventh day, seven times. One after the other after the other. If you can just imagine the people heading down the hill, the, the priest and all of the crowd as they would dip the, uh, the pitcher in the well, to the water and say, with joy you draw from the well of salvation. And then they head back up the hill and sing and praise the Lord and they beg him and plea for God to heal their people spiritually, that he would restore their people spiritually, that he would, in a sense, restore their souls, their relationship with him. And so seven times, one after the other, after the other, after the other, they did this. And at the end of it, if you can just picture it in your mind's eye, the priest heading down with joy you draw from the wells of salvation, heading back up the hill, the, the priest pouring the water back out on the altar as the crowd surrounding, crying out, Lord, we need you to heal our land. We need you to heal us as a people. If you can imagine the crowd in that moment is when we see Jesus stand up on the last and the most important day of the festival. Jesus stand up and cry out, if anyone is thirsty, you should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me as the scriptures have said, will have streams or some places translated as rivers of living water flow from deep within me. Can you imagine in this moment when the people are crying out, God, we need you, we need you to heal our land. We need you to heal our people. We need you to pour out your spirit on us. We need restoration. We need healing. We need you. And in that moment, while they're begging and they're pleading, Jesus steps up and says, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you're tired, come to me. If you're broken, come to me. I am the one you're looking for. I'm the one you're looking for. Jesus steps up and he says, I'm the one where you find those things that you're longing for, that you're needing, that your brokenness is crying out for. I'm the one. And in a week where he had been dropping hints, he finally stands up and says, I'm where you find life. I'm where you find hope. I'm where the one where you find restoration. And you guys remember that verse that the priest would say as they would dip from the water, right? With joy you draw from the wells of salvation. And Jesus is standing up and saying, I am where you find salvation and it is with joy that I save, with joy that I heal, with joy that I refresh, with joy that I bring life. Man, 
God is so good. In that moment where a whole nation is crying out for healing and hope, Jesus stands up in the midst of it and says, are you broken? I'm where you find healing. Are you lost? I'm where you find salvation. I'm where you find peace. Are you looking for hope today? Are you looking for peace today? Are you looking for salvation today? Know that he's the one that you're looking for this whole time. He's the one you've been looking for. He's the one you're looking for. And then he loves you, and he wants to heal you, and he wants to bring you life. He wants to bring you salvation, and he wants to bring you hope. And it is with joy that he saves. Because he's the one that we've been looking for the whole time. And I think in a, in a nation and in a culture where we're looking for everything, right? We're broken. We're looking for something. We want to be a place that points to Jesus and says, he's the one you've been looking for this whole time. And he restores and he heals and he saves. And that is who we want to be as a church, man. As we think of the River Church that just started a year ago, right? We want to be a place that points to Jesus and that people would come in here hopefully looking for him, needing him, longing for him, seeking him, and we could point to him and say, he's the one you're looking for. And if you're thirsty, man, let me tell you. If you're hungry, let me tell you. He's the one you've been looking for. That's who we want to be. And so we say the best is yet to come, right? Because we believe that the best is yet to come. And I don't mean... Again, big buildings and huge budgets, and those things are great. Like if somebody said, here's $10 million, I will take it, right? Cash that check. But that's not what we mean, right? This last year, we've seen God heal families in our church. We've seen God save souls. We've seen God move in powerful ways. And although this last year has been amazing, and we are so grateful and thankful for everything that God has done, we believe he's going to do even more. We believe he's going to heal even more. We believe he's going to save even more. You know why? Because he's the one we're looking for. And as people come in here, we want to point to him and say, he's the one, there he is. Let us just show you how to get to him, baby. That's our hope as a church family. That's who we want to be, and we hope you want to come along for that ride, man. That's who we want to be. And so this morning, I'm just going to pray. And I want to, the band's going to come up and they're going to sing. And I just want to give an opportunity, man. If there's anybody who's looking for that hope, looking for that life, looking for that peace, or maybe you just need someone to pray with, man, this will be a good opportunity for you. And so we're going to pray and worship the Savior because he's the one we're looking for. And we're going to have these guys hanging out in the aisles with the, uh, the, the lanyards. And if you need somebody to pray with, they're there. I'll be hanging out down here if you want to come pray with me. Or maybe you came with somebody you want to pray with. That's fine. But... I just want to give that opportunity because if you're in here this morning, you're thirsty and you're lost and you need that hope, man, he's the one you're looking for. And we just want to show you to the king man, because he's the prince of peace, Lord of Lord, king of kings, savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And he is here for you. He loves you. He cares you. So if you're thirsty, come and drink, man. Come and be healed. Come and find life. 
Lord, I love you. I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for one year, man. I didn't know if we'd make it. I'm so grateful that we are. Lord, you've been so good to us. Father, we just want to be a place of life. We want to be a place of hope. We want to be a place of peace. And we believe that the best is truly yet to come. And we believe that means you moving in our church and you saving souls and you healing families. God, that's who we want to be. And so this morning, I pray that you would do that in this place. Lord, if there's people who need hope, if there's people who need life in here, if there's people who just need to to point to you and just spend some time with you, Lord, I pray that you would come and be in this place and hang out with us and reveal yourself to us, Father. We love you. God, we give it all to you, Father, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.